Hi, I'm Tracy. And I'm Alaman. Welcome to Bring It All Back. It seems like we get news about a new reboot or revival every week. And as television and film lovers, we are here to talk about as many of them as we can. What's coming back, what we hope will return, and what should absolutely not return. That is before they bring it all back. I'm so excited you guys are back. Hello, hello, and welcome back. Well, for us, it feels like it's been forever because it has been holidays and everything. So happy 2018. And oh my goodness, there is so much news to catch up on this week's episode or this month's episode, I would say. We're talking about Jumanji as kind of our big discussion, a pretty big holiday film. So we'll get into that after we run through just all of the news. There's so much of it. I'll just get us started. <laughs> okay. So I feel like the big discussion this week is going to be news because there's just so much news. True. Right. Yeah. So there's quite a bit to get through. So bear with me, everyone. But I'm going to start with some quick updates about things we've discussed previously. So first, the Party of Five reboot we've discussed. For a refresher, it was a six-season family drama. It's being rebooted. The original was about five siblings who come together after their parents die. The new show is about five kids who have to survive living in America after their parents are suddenly deported back to Mexico. The news is that the reboot has landed at Freeform, and it's in an attempt for the network to have four nights of original programming a week, and this is one of the latest projects they've picked up. And before we jump to, I want to say real quickly, I talked to the creators today, um, today being January 25th when we're recording it, because I'm doing a story that kind of pegs it to um, immigration storylines. And after listening to them talk about it, no spoilers here, but I'm actually really excited about it. So, (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of excited about what Freeform's doing in general. Grownish has been really great. And like the bold type and Shadowhunters, there's been a lot of like just really cool and sh- cool shows. It feels a bit different than what we've seen in the past from them. So, I mean, I'm pretty excited for the most part, and I will, you know, we'll see what the end result is. Then, quick Sabrina update. The new show, which is headed to Netflix and is a Riverdale companion show, has picked its star. Kiernan Shipka is the lead, and she will be playing everyone's favorite teenage witch, Sabrina. She was previously on Mad Men and... FX's feud and she's our Sabrina nice um, speaking of witches the CW is giving a charmed reboot another try oh my the goodness. original show ran for 8 seasons from 98 to 2006 it's about 3 sisters who discover they are witches and must team up to fight the forces of evil um, the previous attempt at a reboot was set in the 1970s and didn't have much to do with the original series. This new one is set in the present and is described as a fierce, funny, and feminist show. It's about three sisters who live in a college town who discover they are witches. This is my favorite part from the quote from the TV, the TV line piece I read about it, between vanquishing supernatural demons, tearing down the patriarchy, and maintaining familial bonds, witches' work is never done. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. What a, what a one-sheet there. <laughs> it's just... The thing about Charmed, and this is actually the reason why I'm not as mad about this reboot as I would have been, 
mm-hmm. is people are like a revival, a revival. But like the way that Alyssa Milano and <laughs> Rose McGowan have just kind of been at odds in like in life. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I just have no interest in like watching people who don't want to be around one another like act like they want to be around one another. Wasn't that the whole like drama with Shannon Doherty back in the day? Like like one of the reasons why she left? Yeah, but I feel like at the time, I mean, yes, but I feel like at the time, one, they replaced her, but two, yeah. I was a teenager and like all there for like the drama of it all. Like I found that interesting. And like now I'm just Now like, we're just like, we don't need I don't to. need to see people that don't like, you know what I mean? I don't know what their like specific feelings are from one another, but the way they speak about one another in public and online, I just yeah. feel like I don't need to see them on screen together. And in reality, the actual pr- like premise of the show it's just about, like, sisters who battle evil. It's very basic. I feel like there are mm-hmm. people who are very tied to the original show, but, like, I'm not losing my mind over this one. No, I'm actually excited. I loved Charmed. Although, do you think that this would... I guess... Wait, did we say the CW is doing it? hmm I feel like it goes nicely with Supernatural, right? Like, siblings battling Supernatural forces, right? That's true. Although, I am hoping that the Supernatural spinoff Wayward Sisters gets that spot. Alright, so moving on. Wacko, Yakko, and Dot are breaking out of the Warner Brothers water tower again, people. It's time for So Hulu has ordered a brand new version of the cartoon series Animaniacs that will premiere in 2020. The show is about a zany trio. I just I love the use of zany for whatever reason. I'm strange <laughs> and it's fine. Uh, who have finally found a way to escape from the the Warner Brothers water tower because they they've been locked away there for whatever reason, and they unleash havoc on the city. The new show has been given a two season order by. Hulu and apparently this is like Hulu's first original show made for families I guess like you know people don't want to watch The Handmaid's Tale with their kids which I get right (laughs) um the original show debuted on Fox Kids in 93 and then moved to the WB in 95 my favorite part about all this is in addition to the new show the deal includes the complete libraries of the original Animaniacs Pinky and the Brain Pinky, Elmer, and the Brain. Oh, sorry. Pinky, Elmira, and the Brain. Oops. And the complete Tiny Toons Adventures collection. Man, Hulu is stepping up when it comes to its uh, library. Like the way it's just building to compete with Netflix. Although I feel like Hulu's had better television offerings than Netflix lately anyway. So this is kind of a cool addition to get that family viewership. Yeah, but I also feel like Netflix has been kind of building out its like children's programming, like family friendly programming yeah. for a while. Whereas this is like Hulu's attempt to do that, which, you know, could work, could not work. We'll see. All right. And then uh, The Greatest American Hero. ABC is trying to prove that DC and Marvel aren't the only superhero game in town. The network has announced the reboot of the 80s superhero series, The Greatest American Hero. The original ran for three seasons, and it was about a man played by William Cat, whose name was Ralph, and he was entrusted with a suit that gave him powers. It's this basic idea that he's like an unreliable and unlikely hero. It's not just like, oh no, we wouldn't expect you to be a hero. He's like an actual, he's just very, very unreliable. 
which I mm-hmm. guess is like what people enjoyed for those three seasons. This time around, Mira, a 30-year-old Indian-American woman, will be saving the day. She is described as a woman who loves tequila and karaoke, my kind of girl. Uh, like Ralph, she is also an unreliable hero. It's a half-hour comedy from one of the Fresh Off the Boat writers, and the creator of that show will be one of the executive producers. I'm really excited about this because I love Nanachka Khan. He's going to be the EP. Um, I think she's great and funny. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if the premise immediately grabs me, but I'm excited about it just because I love the team behind it. So I feel good about it. I don't know. Okay, so I'm going to put on my um, cynical hat for a second. Okay. Because I feel a plot. I feel a scheme by ABC coming. Yeah. I think... ABC decide. I think ABC said we're going to make this show. We're going to give you this pilot because they're going to cancel Quantico this season, mm. and they're going to get Priyanka Chopra to be Mira on the oh, show. That is my that's interesting. That's my scheme because they can't say that she's attached yet because that would show their hand for Quantico. But I think if all goes well, she will end up being the Mira, and she will end up being on the show. That's interesting. Because they would want to keep her. Because I remember when they like when she auditioned for Quantico, they were like, here are all of our pilots. You pick what you want. I read a story yeah. about that. So if they want to keep her, then they may use this show as, you know, something different. Yeah. She want to try some comedy. She's still like an action, you know, ass-kicking hero. That is just my um, conspiracy theorist. <laughs> you know, I'm going to jump into my conspiracy theorist skin for a second, and that's what I'm going with. All right. CBS has officially uh, ordered 13 episodes of Murphy Brown. The original show starred Candace Bergen as a well-known investigative journalist and TV anchor, Murphy Brown. She will be returning to star on the show, and the series creator, Diane English, will also be returning. Interestingly, Diane English was attached for the first four seasons and then left but the show ran on cbs for 10 there is talks they're apparently going into talks with other original cast members who could also be returning interesting i don't i i don't know how much i have to say about this i've been reading the news since i think it came out yesterday um but it was also i had that feeling of just like everything is getting rebooted which after looking at this list that we have to go through, like, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But this is my thing about this. It's that a lot of the shows they're rebooting are just like, we have this show, let's make it again. Ah, uh, yeah. But for this particular show, I feel like it was known for its political satire, reflecting yeah. current events, like weaving in real life political headlines, which could be really interesting in the present. I also feel like I would like a show that handled kind of like the news in a fictional sense. I don't know that we need it, but I feel like it could be interesting to watch. That's just my two cents about that. Yeah, I think, um, like, I don't know if I can, well, there's probably other shows that obviously are handling like political topics of the day, but I think in the way that Murphy Brown did it, of course, in its original run being so noteworthy, I wonder, I mean, just the way that politics is now, it's like, you could sit there and watch cable news all day. Like, do you want to watch a show that's also going to fictionalize it as well? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I mean, we'll see. I just feel like it could be interesting, but I also mm-hmm. feel like depending on whose hands, you know, whose hands it's in, it could be interesting. But we'll have to yeah, see. Yeah, true. True. 
All right, so ABC, or sorry, the Mighty Ducks franchise is heading to the small screen again. ABC Signature Studios is developing a series based on the, you know, franchise about a young hockey team. There's no network attached at this point. Um, apparently, the head of ABC Signature, Tracy Underwood, was looking for Disney titles to, you know, reboot, and the original screenwriter and producer she came to her with an idea and she liked it so it's unclear if this is a sequel or a reboot but they're bringing back the franchise in some way interesting i mean the original films did well there was a trilogy that starred you know the original star josh jackson and i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. the third one did as well but maybe not the second one i wonder Okay, what ABC Signature Studios? What exactly is that? Um, it's like the what I was literally just reading this. It's like the production arm of ABC. Of ABC. Oh, it does. Studio. It does. It focuses on like streaming and cable. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's interesting because I feel like um, I feel like the Mighty Ducks. It's on Netflix right now. I feel like once you see a show getting a lot of like chatter and I, I only noticed this because obviously I also do a Dawson's Creek podcast and we'll see people talking all the time. Like, Oh, I just watched, um, you know, Mighty Ducks on Netflix over the weekend and they'll like take screen grabs of like Joshua Jackson or whatever. So people are watching it. There's clearly a love for Mighty Ducks. It's interesting that they're, I guess all of these things are so interesting and what they choose to reboot or not reboot. So I think it could do well. Yeah, I think it'll, I mean, it'll do what it'll do. I don't really have an affinity for the Mighty Ducks. One, because it's like hockey and I'm just not here for it as a whole. But like, you know, people enjoyed it. So let them enjoy some more. That's fine. Um, ABC is giving an American adaptation of British sitcom The IT Crowd another try. I'm going to put you in IT. Hello, IT. Hello, IT. Hello, IT. Um, What can we do you for? I'm the new head of this department. I am the head of this department! I thought I was. <laughs> By another try, I mean <laughs> they're trying for a third attempt. Oh the goodness. IT crowd was a comedy, a British comedy, about employees at a corporation's IT department. Chris O'Dowd, Catherine Parkinson, Matt Berry, Richard Ayoade started in the series. It went for four seasons and then a one-off special to wrap it up in 2013. NBC has tried three times, as I said. This is the third time. The first was in 07, and it starred Joe McHale, Jessica St. Clair, and the original star Richard Ayoade. The second was produced in 2014. This time around, the original series creator, he will write this um, adaptation, which is the first time he's done that, and he will also serve as the executive producer. Wow. They really want to make this happen, NBC. <laughs> they do. I mean, I guess it's something that you've got the original series creator coming back and clearly like they want another office hit on their hand which is i'm my guess on why they're trying so hard i don't know i mean three times some people may say an american adaptation of a foreign television show may not be a reboot but the it crowd is sitting on netflix and it's in english so real talk there's no excuses but the reason i included this is because it provided me the opportunity to discuss how much i love richard ayawadi he is, I believe, one of the funniest people on the planet. This man, I mean, apart from his character on the show being funny as hell, Richard is just, he's just fucking funny. I mean, 
<laughs> there's not really anything I could say about him. Uh, I hope that after Jodie Whittaker, who's the new Doctor on Doctor Who, is done, that he's next. I mean, we were definitely due for a woman. Like, don't get me wrong. I hope Jodie Whittaker is amazing. I'm sure she will be. But after her, they need to get Richard Iwadi in there because he's just funny and he'd be perfect. Honestly, I'm just, I'm like retroactively upset that in 2007, when they made this attempt with him attached, it didn't happen. Like, this is how I feel. Like, I'm, I'm mad for not knowing in 07, so I couldn't get mad then, and I have now bottled all of that rage that's in me right now. All right. The man is funny. Okay. That's just, Richard Iwadi is funny. Period. That's that's what I want you to take away from this episode of Nothing Else. All right. Moving along. After returning for a nine-episode revival, Prison, ba- Prison Break may be returning for another round of episodes, according to Dominic Purcell. He plays one of the brothers at the center of the series, which is basically about two brothers who are always breaking out of jail. I mean, it's... (laughs) I really enjoyed the first... I love the show, but, like, it is just about two brothers and their friends trying to, like, get up out of prison. Um, Because they just keep getting arrested. That's Like, somebody gets arrested, you gotta break them out, and then somebody else gets arrested, let's break them out. And then, oops, look at that, someone else is arrested. Let's go break them out, is really what the show is. Um, there's been no official word from the network, from Fox, but Dominic Purcell did post a Instagram post that said six season is in the works. Mm-hmm. I remember there being talk about them wanting to make more episodes, but not wanting to do it every year. They want it to feel special and kind of like an event. Um, I like the original series and it's nice to see those actors together again. I don't think I don't need any more, but, like, I'm not mad at them making more, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and more news that, like, I guess this is happening. They're remaking 48 Hours. It's, like, the buddy cop film that apparently contributed to the launch of Eddie Murphy's career. And, as I read in this article from Hollywood Reporter, the buddy cop genre as a whole it was a 1982 film Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte played a convict and police officer, respectively, who team up to catch cop killers within 48 hours. For some reason, they have this time limit. Okay. Um, I mean, it's happening. The only thing I want to say about this is, I guess, like, Paramount's, like, Paramount Players Division is assembling the, the team for this project. They have Gerard Carmichael as uh, attached to, like, work on it. I think he's one of the writers. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say that his comedy, The Carmichael Show, was canceled for NBC last year, and I still haven't gotten over it, and I want him to write everything, to start everything, to do everything, because he's just funny as hell. And that was... I mean, that's I really added that because I wanted to talk about Gerard Carmichael. <laughs> I just want to say with stuff like this, and I feel like we've talked about this before when we like are looking at these kind of film revivals, especially, like it is all about the casting, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, it'll be The Rock and Kevin Hart watch. <laughs> We'll talk about the Rock and Kevin Hart in like a few in a, in a bit. I've got things to say. Go on. <laughs> the conspiracy theorist in me is back again. All right, um, I'm in a very strange mood. This is going to be really interesting. Uh, Netflix adding another animated reboot to its list of programs. They are remaking Shira. Defender of the Crystal Castle. 
The original series, which premiered in 1985, ran for two seasons and was made because there was a demand for a female-led fantasy property. Shira was the sister of He-Man, and she was a warrior princess who was tasked with leading a group of freedom fighters to fight evil. The new series will premiere later this year and is described as an epic and timely tale celebrating female friendship and empowerment. I mean, I love the, the way they describe these shows. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the variety link that you have in our Google Doc, and literally right below it is the series Boss Baby series that they're apparently doing, and I'm just like, why? Uh, you know what? Boss Baby can rot. I don't have time for that. Um, but I did want to say about this specifically, I'm really interested in who they choose to voice Shira, because Netflix had Kate McKinnon as, you know, Miss Fiona Felicity Frizzle on their Magic School Bus reboot. They have Gina Rodriguez doing Carmen Sandiego for that one that they're making. So I'm just interested to see who they choose for Shira because I feel like they pick really good people for yeah. their animated properties. So like, I want to see what they're going to do next. I also feel, find it equally, I mean, strange and also disheartening that there was a need for this in the 80s and then it's still timely now. Yeah. Which I think speaks to a larger issue. I just wanted to point it out. Like, I'm I'm ashamed that we didn't get it together till now. <laughs> like, I know. it's been decades and it's still not together. And it's just like, um, what are y'all, what are we doing out here? Uh, what else do we have? Oh, on the heels of successfully directing Thor Ragnarok. I'm going to say his name wrong again. Ugh, Taka Watati. Did I say it right or wrong? I feel like I butcher his name every single time. That's right. I, th- I okay. think. <laughs> he is going back to his What We Do in the Shadows franchise. Mm-hmm. He collaborated with uh, Jermaine Clement to star in, write, and direct a movie about a group of vampires living in Wellington, New Zealand. FX is producing a series, a half-hour series, about a group of vampires living in the United States. Uh... If it's in the vein of the old project, it'll be kind of like a mockumentary style, kind of goofy and eccentric. I feel I like what he has written and um, done in the past with that series. So I feel like this could be interesting. I don't know that we need more vampires, but, you know. I was just about to say, it feels like we've, um, in the past couple of years, have like moved away from vampires a little bit. Like with, you know, with just like the, the hype around vampires kind of dying down. So this is... Mr. Watati is not, because in addition to making this FX show that he is executive producing, he is expanding the original franchise with a film called We're Wolves, about a group of wolves, and Wellington Paranormal, about the cops from the original film, Karen and Mike. So he is like in New Zealand, making more stuff, bringing it to America. So apparently he is down with the vampires and werewolves. So you know what? Keep on keeping on, my friend. I mean, after Thor Ragnarok, I'll pretty much watch whatever he does. I find him so fascinating, what he, like, has made. Because those movies as a whole, like, were a problem. And he, like, made this, like, really fun, not-so-stale. It felt new and different. And it probably got Chris Hemsworth to sign back on to be Thor because he was ready to be done. And he has, you know, apparently changed his tune. Um, Into another franchise that I didn't think we'd see again. But you know what? It's 2018 and anything's up for grabs. 20th Century Fox has made a three-year deal with Ryan Reynolds' Maximum Effort, I guess, production company. And they're 
one of their first projects is going to be a live action film based on the board game Clue. And if that sounds familiar to you, it's because in 1985, they did the same damn thing. (laughs) And so this one is being, you know, created or developed as a star vehicle for Ryan Reynolds because you know what he needs? More star roles. What what's up with Ryan Reynolds right now? I feel like, like okay, I'm not I'm not saying anything bad against Ryan Reynolds. It's just like the most recent thing I was reading is that like, he's gonna be the voice of Pikachu, which I was already like, okay, I guess he's doing it for the kids. But like, y'all keep Pikachu away from that man. Y'all keep the character <laughs> Pikachu away from that man. They're making so okay. We can talk about this on off offline, but yeah, they're making Detective Pikachu, and I have things to say about it. But I. Oh, I don't know. I mean, Clue, the film that we that we all know and love, is such a classic. It's such a staple. I don't know how I feel about. I feel like this is the thing. It's like you have a movie. When you remake it, you want to do something different. Whether it's like, you know, you didn't have great effects and I can make it really cool and have great effects. You, this is a very, like, simple story unless they're, like, doing clue in space or hopping into a video game yes i'm rolling my eyes at you early in this episode jivanchi i don't think we need like what are you gonna this add is just a detective like it's just gonna be a classic detective story with character names that you recognize which i don't understand why you need to you know listen unless they get <laughs> tiffany haddish in there to get some people of color I just watched Tiffany Hatch's Drunk History. I need her to narrate everything, to be talking all the time in front of a camera. The woman is hysterical. But, like, you want to get, like, actual comedians, like, funny people. Like, what is Ryan Reynolds going to do in Clue? Just be, like, attractive and white, walking around, like, solving a murder? Like, we, I can catch that anywhere. Are they trying to make this into a comedy the way that, like, 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 or are they trying to make this into a serious, like, I don't think there's not a lot of information about it, but... What are they trying to make this? That's Could you imagine a serious action thriller clue? I would honestly, I'd revolt from the world. I wouldn't even know what to do. I'd just like give up. Like I, I don't know what I'd be giving up, but I'd give up something because that is. Could you imagine a, a clue? Like I'm gonna crack you with a candlestick in the bathroom. Clue, but like an action thriller, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but like clue. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I, f- oh, I feel like he played Deadpool. People were like, oh, you can do some comedy stuff. You're cool. So, like, he wants to do more comedy. That's fine. Get you a diverse... Ca- get you some Gina Rodriguez in there, because she's funny. Get you some Tiffany Haddish in that movie. Get actual people who will be good around you, because if it's a it's bunch of It's just going to be people, The Rock starring in everything. Let's be completely Oh, real. my God. It's like the... Listen, you know what? I'm s- the next thing we have <laughs> is female spy series Get Christy Love is one step closer to being made on ABC. The original was a 1974 black exploitation themed TV movie turned short series about a female spy named Christy Love. ABC has officially ordered the pilot from power creator Courtney Kemp and has landed star Kylie Bunbury as CIA operative Christy Love. It's described as an action-packed, music-driven drama. I mean, what does that even mean? Um, about Christy, a highly trained agent who leads an elite black ops team. Apparently, she has the ability to transform into whoever she needs to to get the job done. Interestingly, but maybe just to me, Vin Diesel is one of the producers. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, I, I, well, I would love to start like a scorecard to see like which networks have the most reboots because I feel like we've only been talking about ABC this time. <laughs> but this is the thing about this is this project. We have a lot of reboots and I'm not here for all of them. But this works for me on so many levels. Yeah. One, Fox canceled Pitch, which was a Fox series about a, the first female baseball pitcher. And it starred Kylie Bunbury. It was amazing. And they canceled it. I liked her. I saw a few episodes. Yeah. Stressed me out. But she is back at the front of our project. So good. Also, if you know me, even a little bit, you know that a female-led spy drama is literally up my street. I will walk around with the poster on my back. Like, this is not, this is very serious. From <laughs> Alias to Nikita, I'm here for them. So I'm interested to see what they do with the genre, like what this adds, especially having another woman of color leading a project like this. I think we have like Quantico, like I mentioned earlier. You had Nikita. I'm just a female led spy drama is just what I'm looking for. That's what I'm missing on network television. Like when Nikita was gone, I was like, "Where's the new Nikita? Like, where's, where's that happening?" And it's not happening anywhere. So hopefully, it'll be happening at ABC with Kylie Bunbury, and that's what I got. <laughs> um, wait, we didn't even talk. about Well, I guess these aren't really like like news things. I'm just looking at some of the other links. What is? Why is Will Smith talking about a Fresh Prince revival? Oh, oh, listen, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> almost, I think almost. I don't know. Um, Director X, who is known for directing music videos, is in talk to direct a remake of 1972 crime drama film Superfly. Um, Trevor Jackson, who you can currently see on Grownish, is being eyed for the lead role of Young Blood Priest. According to Deadline, the film is about Priest, a cocaine dealer who is trying to escape his criminal life by securing one last deal. The original film was directed by Gordon Parks Jr., whose father, Gordon Parks, directed Shaft, a staple film of the black exploitation drama, which is what Superfly is known for. And we're moving quick, so I just want to say I like Trevor Jackson. He's great. Nice to have him leading a film. I don't know that I need to see another film about an African-American drug dealer, which is something that this film received some criticism for. Yeah. Like, in the past. But what I do want to say about this franchise, which is where a reboot can actually do well, is they made sequels to Superfly. The first had him retired, living in Europe, and helping out people from a small African nation by using his, you know, knowledge of criminal activity to help them smuggle weapons to defend themselves. And the third had him going back to his hometown to find out who killed his friend while trying to stay away from his old life. And I feel like those narratives could be interesting films if they remade them, because obviously I don't necessarily think that the sequels did as well back then, and I feel like those stories are far more interesting if you want to reuse the character. I just don't know that I need another Superfly movie. Right. Yeah, I think, um, like you said, I think every time, anytime a series, or not a series, a character has been given these other storylines that people didn't really get to see like in sequels or whatever i just such rich backstory material could make for a good reboot here yeah so another beloved comedy could be heading back for with its own revival
black comedy. Yep, is The Office. According to TV Line, NBC is eyeing a revival of the workplace comedy for next season. The show will return to its Scranton office, and it will have a mix of new and old cast members. One person who will definitely not be showing up is Steve Carell, because why would he? Um... (laughs) I mean, I was never really a huge fan of the show, but they had such really great comedic actors who have gone on to make really great shows. So I feel like if they can get some people, it could be interesting. I just don't know who they would get. Yeah, they would definitely have to get the right people to come back. Because I think what was great about The Office is the dynamics between, like, you know, when you introduce Ellie Kemper's character near the end, and obviously you've got the central Jim Pam storyline, but... You've got Mindy Kaling, you've got BJ Novak. I mean, there's a lot of great talent there that you could pull back into this. It's just, would they come back is the question. Well, Jenna Fisher said she would be up for coming back to The Hollywood Reporter when talking about her new show. If there is one way for them to guarantee me watching on a weekly basis, it is to bring back Catherine Tate, who played Nellie towards the end of the series. Mm-hmm. I would like Catherine, like Richard Ayoade, I'm a big Catherine Tate fan, so... I will watch for Catherine Tate. I will probably not watch otherwise, but that doesn't mean anything. You can go along and, you know, bring back the comedy and love of The Office if you'd like NBC. Keep on keeping on. Speaking of NBC and rebooting another show, they're also, Sony is looking to bring back NBC sitcom Mad About You, which ran for seven seasons on the network. It starred Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt. They said they would return for a limited limited run. Reiser, who also co-created the series, was leading the charge according to TV Line. The new episodes would likely revolve around their characters grappling with empty nest syndrome in the wake of their daughter getting into college. Although NBC would seem like the right place to do it, there's no network attached at the moment. I feel like instead of we're going to get to a point in TV watching where we're not watching like series of anything anymore. We're just watching like limited series of things they've revived for like five episodes. (laughs) I think we missed the mark at a certain point between what needs to come back and what doesn't. So, for example, like, you know, CBS has done for better or worse well with rebooting show like franchise hawaii 50 macgyver that's working for them you know the sherlock holmes mythology with elementary those things have gone for seasons um certain things like will and grace did really well as a revival but not everything needs it no i think that you know we've talked about a bunch so far the greatest american hero for example that could be a fresh take on something and i understand the where the story is in that but i feel like with some of these things it's like what are you doing yeah it's almost like they're flipping through the catalog and being like oh yeah remember when this did well let's see if those people want to come back for it look i would look at my catalog and say who made this what does that person want to make now yeah like that's what i would think unless it's something that like you know ended abruptly or there was actual story left to tell but i feel like just bringing it back to for the sake of bringing it back i mean what is the point speaking of bringing it back for the sake of bringing it back they're bringing back sword in the stone okay is the is is the one of the 
Disney animated film that's getting a live action remake. I don't understand. I'm going to need you. I'm going to kindly ask. This is this is what I'm kindly asking of Hollywood. I'm going to need Hollywood to leave King Arthur, Merlin, the Knights of the Round Table alone. I'm going to need y'all to God. leave them alone. They recently made that dreadful live action movie with King Arthur, uh. which has me questioning what Charlie Hammond is doing because he gave up Fifty Shades of Grey because he was worried about stardom or whatever nonsense. And now instead he's making this dreadful crap. King Arthur? It was like set to rock music. David Beckham was in the movie. I mean, what is going on? I'm going to need you to leave King Arthur, Merlin, the Knights, Guinevere, everybody. Leave them alone. <laughs> leave them alone. There's so many takes. Why? Why? I love that movie so much as a kid. And I'm going to need you to leave, like, a lighthearted, like, what are you going to do with a lighthearted version of King Arthur, you know? get it like a young kid being mentored by merlin he's gonna be like dodging killers and it's gonna be like this like dark retake also ridley scott is doing it and let me tell you something i'm still side-eyeing him because of that exodus gods and kings movie (laughs) where he had all these white people playing people that should have been actors of color because there weren't enough big names to to justify the movie you can you can miss me completely sir you can miss me with your sword in the stone you can miss me in general and the next thing on my list is, that's how I feel. Um, one thing, you know, I, I added this just for you guys who are listening. One franchise we probably won't see return is Desperate Housewives. Eva Longoria said she would love to return to her Desperate Housewives character, Gabby, because she misses the character and she misses the show every day. But creator Mark Cherry has said that he wouldn't bring it back. And you know what? Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. This is literally why, just to thank him. Yeah, you need some creators to just be like, no. (laughs) You mentioned this earlier, Will Smith. So when Will Smith was on the Graham Norton show, which is a UK like chat talk show kind of thing, when he talked about a potential Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reboot, he said while he'd be interested in them bringing it back, he obviously couldn't play Will. Like It wouldn't be a revival. It'd have to be a whole different Will, and he would be up for playing Uncle Phil in a reboot. Ah, okay. Well, look, I love The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I don't think it needs a reboot. This is how I feel. I'm going to segue a bit. When when we talk about older black shows, what I'm more concerned with is access to the original shows than I am in reboots and revivals. I think about The Return of the Fresh Prince, and I hear that theme song playing in my head, and I'm like bobbing along and singing it out loud. You know, like it's a great, you know, show and song. Love it. But the problem is, I'm still far more interested in, you know, like Living Single being available on Hulu than I am a potential return of the show. Yeah. You know, shows like Girlfriends, One on One, Half and Half, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. I mean, I could go on for literally forever. And while I would love to see some of them return, and I'd watch revivals and reboots of many of them, I think people need access to the original shows because they were great. Like, you want to bring them back for a reason when you could be bringing them back in their original form. Yeah. Specifically when you're talking about, like, Netflix and Hulu and, like, these streaming services. Yeah. Like, fill up your library with actual shows people want to watch, not just, like, oh, we can have access to this show. Let's throw it on there for people to watch. Like, 
I'm sure that some audiences would love those shows that, you know, didn't get their due when they were on. But these shows were beloved. People love them and they have no place to watch them in most cases. And I'm like, why are we not seeing those shows in their original? I've had been watching Living Single on Hulu for the last couple of weeks and living my best life. I, you know, I would watch Will Smith play Uncle Phil. I would watch a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reboot to see what it was like, I guess. But, like, I would have a lot more fun watching the original show, and I would have a lot more fun watching, you know, new black stories like Grownish and original, you know, the original shows like Living Single. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think this is one of the things when I think about, like, old not old, but like those classic shows that we grew up watching that were on, you know, your TGIF nights and stuff like that. Shows that are classics in their own right. I think it's one of the reasons why when Disney Channel did Girl Meets World, I was glad that they didn't try to just like reboot Boy Meets World, right? It was like, let's find a way to continue the story, which I feel like if you're going to do something like Bring Back Fresh Prince at all, I would be more interested to see a continuation because I think you're right that the original characters and the actors who kind of gave them life and gave them the characters that we know and love like that's just so challenging for any current actor in 2018 or beyond to replicate in some ways and i just don't see it being successful on the heels of all of that you just said i would like to talk about our final item on the list <laughs> which is the return of sister sister Speaking of black comedies of the past, series star Jack A. Harry made comments that it was definitely coming back. Tamara Maury Housley, who played one of the twins at the center of the series, clarified the status, saying they have a writer, they're just looking for a home for the show, but everybody else is in and they're, you know, ready to get going. They just have to have, they have to find a home for the new show. Hmm. I mean... It could be good. It could not be. I'd rather watch as a sister, but you know, teacher's zone. The only thing I will say about those really cool sh- those shows that could be interesting is there were a lot of great guest stars yes. who are now like really great, like very popular, successful actors. I think about like Gabrielle Union, Taraj B. Henson. They were both on Sister. The fact is, it could be cool, but I feel like a cameo from someone isn't a good reason to make it show again. Yeah. So. But that's what I got on news. Oh my God. All of the news. That's so much news. So much news. <laughs> All of the news. Forever news. We turn around for like a minute and then here we are with like a full season of worth of shows apparently. <laughs> my notes were all typed up and ready and then they added two shows <laughs> in the couple hours before we started recording. And I was like, I'm going to need everyone to calm down. <laughs> but I'm finished and now we can move on to Jumanji. Okay. All right. Let's talk about Jumanji. Yo, what's this? Jumanji. Pick a character and you're that person in the game. Bethany, you in? Then I'll spend my life staring at a TV screen. <sighs> Fine. Oh my god! Jumanji came out last month as of recording this. So it came out December 2017. It was like a big Hollywood, not Hollywood, Christmas blockbuster, holiday blockbuster that was released uh, for the masses. It is based off of the 1995 film, which is itself based off of a 1981 children's picture book, Jumanji. It's 
you know, heralded as a franchise. There was this movie, there were there was a TV series that spun off from it as well, which we will talk about. But the 1995 film starred Robin Williams, Bonnie Hunt, Kirsten Dunst, and Bradley Pierce. And it was about a board game, Jumanji board game, and two kids, Alan Parrish and Sarah, they were playing the board game, got sucked into it. 26 years later, we get fast forward to the present of 1995, Kirsten Dunst and Bradley Pierce's characters, Judy and Peter, are they find a game and start playing it. And in this version of Jumanji, the original one, it's, you know, they roll the dice, animals and things come out of the board game, and that is the world that they have to try to fix or play to the end to resolve. Six. Tiny bite can make you itch, make you sneeze, make you twitch. That film in itself was... It's funny because I was looking at Rotten Tomatoes while I was doing all these this note things. It has a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is interesting to me because I loved this film as a kid. So maybe I was the What does? Jumanji. How dare everyone? <laughs> yeah, 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it did really well at the box office back in 1995. It uh, earned $100.5 million in the U.S. and Canada, an additional $162.3 million overseas. Um, very successful. Again, considered a classic Robin Williams um when he passed away in 2014 there had already been talks of a revival happening i think in 2012 was the first time we heard talks of a revival that didn't really go anywhere and then right after he passed away 2014 in 2015 they started talking about you know serious talks to to reboot this and they had a writer and everything and a lot of people felt like it was disrespectful but they went ahead made the sequel that is called jumanji welcome to the jungle it's the uh, full title there Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle is starring The Rock, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, and Karen Gillan. It is about four kids who get detention because that's, I mean, Power Rangers was the exact same way. So they are all, one's a nerd, one's a football player, uh, one's a super self-absorbed kind of popular girl, and the other one is kind of a nerdy, quiet girl. Um, smart, nerdy, quiet girl. And the four of them get stuck in detention together and they find this video game, which is Jumanji. And we see in the beginning of the film a flashback to 20 years ago. Uh, it was this board game, Jumanji, the one that we remember from the film. A kid ends up with it, not interested in playing board games because it's 1996. And it turns itself into a video game one night and he starts playing it, gets sucked into the video game. So it takes a very similar sort of a concept, except that in the 2017 film, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, the kids who plug in the video games are playing it. They get sucked into the video game rather than the game coming to life in their current world. So in the current, not current, in the new film, you've got these four teens who morph into The Rock, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, and Karen Gillan, and... They take on their avatars, and basically they have to play through to the end of the game. They have to return this diamond, this jewel that was stolen, and that was the only way that they can be released. In the course of them playing through the game, they run into uh, Alex, who is the kid that we saw in 1996 being sucked in at first in that game. And he's been stuck there since, even though he didn't realize he, was, he had been stuck there. But they run into him, and have to sort of help each other escape the game. So this film, 
this is where you're going to get really mad, Alvin. <laughs> it has a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Apparently. Honestly, I've never rolled my eyes so hard. <laughs> as of um, this week, Jan- as of this week in January, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle has grossed about $320 million in the U.S. and Canada. A uh, worldwide total of about $771 million. It is deemed quite a successful film. Like I said, box office hit at this moment. Um, when I went to go see it recently, because I was waiting till I got my movie pass, so I wouldn't have to spend money on it. I went to go see it last weekend. So this is like a full month after the film has come out. And the theater was like packed. So people are still clamoring to see it. So much that there is already a sequel being discussed. A Jumanji 3 if you will. Alvin, what did you think of Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle? <laughs> Can I just like scream into the microphone for 10 minutes? Is that appropriate? <laughs> so I'd like to say one thing. Okay. Well, not several things. But first, that opening scene where that little brat looks at a board game and says, who plays board games? I would like to tell that little boy, fuck you. Because first and foremost, I was a child in 1996, and I played board games. I played board games in the year of the Lord, 2018. (laughs) But that's besides the point. In 1996, I was playing video games, but I was also playing board games. So who plays board games? Everyone but you. And you want to know what happens when you're the asshole about it? You get sucked into a video game for 20 plus years. That's what happens. And that's what you get. Second of all, Alex, Nick Jonas' character, is no Alan Parrish, and how dare they? How dare they? These are going to be some spoilers, and I'm sorry, but I don't have time today. Um, how dare they put him in the home in which Alan Parrish slept? Yeah, yeah, that was the other thing. <laughs> you don't get to stay in Alan Parrish's house. You get to sleep in a ditch. So there was a tribute, uh, sort of like an Easter egg in Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, where when they run into Alex, he'd been... He's hiding out because in this world, they have three lives each. And and Alex has used up two of his lives trying to escape the game. And he was too scared to move forward. So he's been camping out at this campsite that uh, the camera pans to it. And you see on one of the um, wooden beams, you know, Alan Parrish was here. And that's the guy who built the campsite. Of course, tribute to Robin Williams, uh, his original character, Alan Parrish. I felt like, and I think you and I, you mentioned this to me right after I saw the movie, they talked a lot about how video games worked in this one, which is almost like, all right, we all know how we we all know how it works. Like, and even if we don't, I don't care. They spent so much time explaining NPCs and fight sequences, and their characters had weaknesses. It's it's a film that okay, like here I'm gonna give some of like the try to be a little positive here. I walked out of that movie being like, that was dumb. But it was entertaining. But it was not a movie that was, like, so good. I mean, so bad, it's good. You know what I mean? Like, I love The Rock, so I will watch pretty much anything The Rock is in. But I did feel like – like, one of the things that really bothered me was that, that essentially a good amount of the movie relied on the joke being that Jack Black is feminine. You know? Like, to me, I was like, okay, I get I get it. I don't, I don't need any more of this, you know? Here's my thing about this movie is they did not need the name Jumanji for this movie. In fact, the name Jumanji hurt it as far as I'm concerned. Jumanji is a game that's played. Whether it's a video game, a board game, if people are playing with nothing, or whatever the next version of video games will be, virtual reality, I don't know and I don't care. But in whatever form, 
Each person takes a turn, gets a riddle, has to figure it out and solve it. That's the point of Jumanji as far as I'm concerned. Now, turning those like clues into you know parts of this like video game where there are levels defeats the purpose. If you want to throw some people into a video game, make a movie where you throw them into a video game. People will watch it. The Rock's there. Kevin Hart's there. People will still watch this movie. The fact that they use the name Jumanji, the franchise for this, is what irritated me. Secondly, that was a it was a movie about like youthfulness and young kids, and you throw teenagers into the bodies of these grown people, and that doesn't make any sense. It's unnecessary. It's not youthful to have like The Rock playing this. Yeah, you have these like little moments where he's like, "Don't cry, don't cry." Like he's a teenager, like trying to work up the courage to save the day, whatever. But like. I don't need that for this movie. Yeah, I think you know, what I think they missed the original kind of charm and draw of Jumanji. Like you said, I mean, it's these kids that save the day, right? Like it's two kids who end up eventually saving the day. And I feel like I just I got to the point in watching Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle where I was like, "What are we doing?" Like I really, I mean, there's already been so much criticism after the first trailer came out about. Um, Karen Gillan's character and how like why can't she be wearing real clothing in this game and then of course there's an there's an extended sequence where they teach her how to flirt and it's like don't need any of this we're wasting time what's happening I just ugh. like there was only like I feel like there were like one or two clues there was that clue where they had like the snake and there was there was like the sequence with the snake and they get a clue on how to solve it one the clue was basically like work together which there are four of them trying to beat a game. What else are they going to do? <laughs> but it just felt like a cheap attempt to be like, oh, we don't, we didn't forget about the franchise. Don't forget. Here's an Easter egg. Like, that's not an Easter egg. That's literally the foundation on which this franchise is built on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> taking turns and playing a board game is literally where this started. And I feel like if they wanted to throw teens into a video game during detention, like, make, you know virtual video game breakfast club-esque movie go ahead and have fun with that like apart from you know taking the game like putting them inside the game versus the game coming out to them feels more like the animated series and the actual original right i was gonna say the animated series had them being sucked into the game and you know every episode was a clue they needed to solve or next step in the game which would have been fine if the actual kids went in See, I don't mind if, like, the kids got sucked into the game and then, like, Karen Gillan, you know, Kevin Hart and The Rock, maybe you don't need all four of them, but, like, a version of that team has to work with the the kids to do it or whatever. Or if there are actual, like, clues and it was like, the next level, let's run over here, over here in the next level. Like, video games push you to the next place. Like, when they talk about, like, the cut-in scenes and all of that, that literally pushes the story forward because the point of the video game isn't to tell a story. Yeah. The point of the video game is to, like, create situations so the character can, like, new use new moves, go to the next level, beat the bad guys. Like, video games aren't set up for, like, great storytelling opportunities because the point is to play a game. So throwing them into the game... I mean, the fact that they use Jumanji for this is literally blasphemy. I think, no, like, honestly, the more I think about it, the more irritated I am. Because it would have been a fine movie if they had just made, like, 
an action comedy about a group of kids who get thrown into the bodies of avatars. Like, make the video game fine. But to use Jumanji, something that I really enjoyed watching as a kid, in this manner, is worse than a slap in the face. And I was doing research, and Kevin Hart said to Good Morning America that the new movie is a continuation, not a remake. Yeah, Rock said that as well. Mm -hmm. Which is the most disrespectful thing that I've heard about this. So... It, this was back in in 2016, right after all of the news came out that uh, The Rock had sort of joined because he was the first to be cast in it, and he said the same thing that it's not um, it's not a reboot, really. It's just a next chapter in in Jumanji, which is I guess somewhat interesting because you know the original Jumanji ends with the board game on a beach hidden in the sand, and people are kind of walking by it, and then this movie begins with kind of a very similar shot of the board game in the sand and someone pulls it out of the sand, um, which is what I think they were trying to get at with a continuation. You know what I would movie I would have made? I would have made teenagers who got in trouble for various reasons have some sort of community service-esque thing and they're cleaning up the beach and they find the board game and it starts over. That's what I would have yeah. made. Yeah, and I... That's the movie I'd watch. Because I feel like you can't... Uh, I feel like maybe they thought because, and I was watching um, a movie phone interview with the four cast, or the four cast members, and they were saying, well, the Rock had said, you know, the most challenging part was of doing this kind of a um, reboot, if you will, is to try to get past the early skepticism uh, around it, and also creating a Jumanji for a new generation, which apparently, to Hollywood in 2018, nobody plays board games, <laughs> which. It's just a damn shame. There's nothing else I can say about all of that. It's just a damn shame. And now, uh, you know, in the sequel that they're talking about, it's because there was there were a lot of different alternate endings, I guess, they had been playing with when they were shooting or writing the film and shooting it, and they had a bunch of different scenes that were cut. But one of the sort of storylines that they really hit over and over, I guess, when they were filming and got cut out of the original, Karen Gillan said is that there's a part at the end where they're all leaving Jumanji and the Rock's character, Dr. Smolder Braveheart, asks Ruby Roundhouse, who is Martha in the film, the teenager, to stay behind. He's like, we can stay like this forever. Let's just stay behind here. And I guess they played with that idea more, developing their, you know, flirting and that romance and that relationship more in the film. I guess it was cut out of the original, but that's the kind of the alternate ending that they wanted to go with and what they wanted to build a sequel off of or like a potential for a sequel, but I don't know. To have teenagers decide to live in a video game? (laughs) Gotta be fucking kidding me. (laughs) Honestly, if the sequel is not like the video game bursting out and having like Ruby Roundhouse and the Doctor and all of them in the real world with the teenagers, then I don't know what we're doing out here. Like if you have, if you send those kids back into a video game, I'm I'm gonna scream because this is my problem with this movie, because it's not a terrible movie. It is a fun, kind of silly, ridiculous film, and I would have really enjoyed. I would have kind of enjoyed it for the most part, had it not been attached to the Jumanji mm-hmm. franchise. So one, I'm annoyed at them for making me spend money at a movie that I would have enjoyed otherwise had they not attached it to a franchise that I love, and two, I'm just mad they used Jumanji's name. For this nonsense. Yeah. Because the only thing that's nonsense about it, straight out, is the use of Jumanji. The rest of it would have been fine 
People have watched worse movies. People have loved worse movies. There have been a lot. There's a lot of nonsense out there. And this would have just been like a fun action movie had they not taken one of my childhood movies and put it in a blender and thrown in a video game. Yeah, I I agree that it would have. I think I would have enjoyed it more the same if I like if I divorced as I was watching it. If I divorced my thought of this is Jumanji. I mean, you're right. It didn't need to have. There's so many times these kind of reboots and revivals that you'll be like, this could just be its own thing. Why does it need to? think it needs to draw in a crowd this way. Because I think even if they had this film and it was not called Jumanji, it was just called Welcome to the Jungle or whatever, and they had The Rock and Kevin Hart and Jack Black like and Karen Gillan, it would definitely draw people. So, I mean, The Rock is one of the most like like profitable stars right now in, in Hollywood. I don't, I don't get why you need it to make it Jumanji. These kids are going to see The Rock. They didn't watch Jumanji in 1990. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't watch Jumanji in the 90s. These are children. They're going with their parents to watch them with The Rock is in. So, like, we don't need, like, the rest of us don't need, you know, I watched this movie so that we could talk about it on this podcast. Otherwise, they could have missed me with the whole thing (laughs) because I had no interest in seeing it because I like Jumanji and this isn't Jumanji. I also want to bring up, um, somebody tweeted The Rock some like criticism about about video game how Jumanji treats like video game just um in general and his the rock's response was go fuck yourself which okay i have to say the the criticism here the guy was like i went to go see Jumanji and you know there's no way that in a video game a character would die and then come back w- with all of the items in possession that he had before he died you know like when you die in a video game you essentially start a level over right the Rock is not here for that criticism, apparently. <laughs> and why not? Y'all the ones that are sitting there talking about a cutscene is this. A non-playing <laughs> yeah, avatar person is this. Like, you invited the world into this video game language-filled nonsense movie. You don't get to pick and choose now. Yeah. That was the one thing that I was also wondering. When it's like, you know, they this person dies. Or when um Karen Gillan's character quote-unquote sacrifices herself so that she gets bit by a snake at the end so she can fall from the sky and hand off the jewel to to the rocks character it's like no you lose everything you had in a video game when you die Mm -hmm. and you come back and you start over like that's how it works whatever if you're gonna do no if you're gonna do it you better do it right and if they make a sequel y'all don't have to miss it with that one i there will not be a Jumanji episode two of Bring It All Back because <laughs> I will not watch anymore uh, of this. Y'all just gotta hire us to let you know what we reboot is gonna work. We gotta save. We could have saved this franchise. Um, okay, I could have saved them a lot of money too. They didn't have to make that weird special effects movie stuff. You could have made a movie in the real world. <laughs> I mean, they made it work in '95. You can make it work in 2017, which is when y'all made. And this now movie. I want to go watch the original Jumanji just to cleanse my palate a little bit. <laughs> That's that's what I did immediately after <laughs> watching Welcome. To, I came home and I was like, Jumanji on. I watched it on DVD in my house in front of my television. Like, thank you very much. <laughs> if I could have found my old VHS player, I would have plugged it in and done it that way too. Because I needed a pure viewing. <laughs> well, if you want to let us know what you thought of Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. I'd love to hear some defense. People who did love it. I did read some of the reviews of people who enjoyed it. And I was like, again, fun film. Did not need to be Jumanji. Anyways, if you want to tell us what you thought about it, you can tweet us at B-I-A-B show or you can email us at bringitallback 
show at gmail.com. Um, you can follow me at Tracy G. Lee on Twitter and Alamin. You can follow me at Alamin Johannes. That is A-L-A-M-I-N-Y-O-H-A-N-N-E-S. Yes, and feel free to tell us our opinions are trash, but we know we're right. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I'm sure the next time we all talk, we are going to see another 30 reboots that we can talk about. So. <laughs> oh, please, Lord, just calm down with the news. <laughs> all right. Good, good night, night, guys. I'm so excited you guys are back.